This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast as we look back on. Week six and uh, start to look ahead to week seven in the NFL. Throw some baseball in as we head to the later parts here of October. Remember, as always, brought to you by the good folks at Bet Rivers. Go to BetRivers.com. Download the Bet Rivers app, which will allow you uh, faster experience, exclusive promotions, one app while traveling. And remember, get extra value this football season with the Bet Rivers squares. You have a chance to win up to $10,000 in bonus money. All you have to do is wager $10 in same-game parlays on any of the games with the square icon that is featured, and who knows, maybe you'll win $10,000, get some extra action, and away you go. So check out the uh, ever-improving Bet Rivers app. Now, we put the finishing touches on week six last night with a flag-plagued, mistake-plagued, uh, 2017 Cowboy win over the Chargers. I mean, way too many penalties, way too many mistakes. Um, a game where you figured there would be more offense. They did both make goal line stands. Um, Dallas allowed uh, the Chargers back in the game by muffing a punt, and they then got the ball back down the field and kicked the winning field goal. Um, Chargers should be better than they are, continue to be puzzling, not puzzling, they're not well coached. They make way too many mistakes, critical mistakes in, 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 at terrible times. And I thought of this, if there's ever two people, two figures in the NFL that need each other, it would be Herbert and Belichick. Could you imagine if you plopped Herbert on Belichick's doorstep. You would have five more years of really superb winning football because that's what he needs. He needs a raw, terrific, untapped quarterback talent. He can't get that. He can't find that. Yes, he has to sprinkle in some other offensive players, but he can do that. Sometimes it's painful, but he can do that. But talk about when a quarterback needs a coach and a coach needs a quarterback. Uh, Never has there been two who are kind of wandering in the wilderness right now. Belichick losing and losing big in New England. Uh, Herbert just wiling away the years with the Chargers and getting nowhere uh, and nowhere fast. Um. Week six will be remembered for a truckload of big injuries. 
And as you go forward into this week, there are a lot of teams off, including the Jets are off this week, the Cowboys are off this week, the Bengals are off this week. But um, as you look at and monitor what's going to happen in week seven, where there are a couple of decent, a couple of interesting games, two that, two that stand out in particular, two that just kind of uh, jump out, as a matter of fact. But um, which I'll get to, but um, have to go back and monitor these injuries and see where people are. Lawrence is hurt going into the Thursday night game. Uh, McCaffrey's hurt. Samuels is hurt for the Niners. They play the Monday night game. Garoppolo, uh, Montgomery for the Lions. He'll be out a while. Fields, he'll be out a while. Tannehill, high ankle sprain, he'll be out a while. Tremendous amount of injuries in week six going forward. Some you know are going to be out a while. Some game time decisions, they say Lawrence is day-to-day, but they have a Thursday nighter. So will he be ready for the Thursday nighter? Hard to say yet if he will be or won't be, okay, as we go forward here. Uh, They have the Saints, the 4-2 and Jaguars, very much in the thick of things. Saints at 3-3, and so that's the Thursday night game, and they travel, so it's a short week for them. And remember, never discount the fact that the home team has a significant advantage in those Thursday night games, and almost an unfair advantage. The road team having to travel gets very little practice time, gets very little to do in in very little time. I mean, they're on the clock from the minute the Sunday game ends. Um, And we'll see what happens with Lawrence going into the uh, Thursday night game. The two games that you look to to feature in week number seven, the Dolphins and the Eagles on Sunday night, a battle of five and ones. The Dolphin offense has been by far in this time when – quarterbacks are struggling in this time when teams are struggling to score points. uh, The Dolphins have been just a juggernaut. Now they don't have a Sean. Unfortunately, he is going to be out probably for a month, uh, but they have so many weapons. And now the Eagles depleted in the secondary will have a hard time dealing with that, but they will have a lot of trouble with the Eagle running game. They will have a lot of trouble with a lot of the physicality of the Eagles and The Eagles have got to, and this falls to the head coach, he has got to bridge that gap in the passing game that is seriously lacking. Hurts has terribly missed his offensive coordinator, who now resides in Indianapolis. He has terribly missed him. And it continues to show up with his poor play. I mean, let's be honest. I put that loss on the head coach because I don't think that ball ever should have been thrown on third down. I don't think, I don't think they should have thrown on third down. I think they should have kicked the ball back, used the time, get the clock down to about a minute 20, kick the ball back, and let them play defense. Uh, taking the running game out of the Jets at that point, Jets would have no timeouts. Um, you're maybe allow them one running play so they can't use hold the way they want. Uh, and with the quarterback still trying to find himself, and with that pass rush and the Jets' exposed offensive line, I mean, it's a good matchup. I don't think they would have gotten down there and been able to win the game. Um, I was surprised, and he threw the ball into to a tight end that was completely bracketed on both sides. The other game is the Lions and the Ravens. The Ravens are good. They're, sneak, they're sneaky good, and they're getting healthier. The Lions are 
solidifying on defense. They have a very easy schedule. They're 5-1. and one. Now they are down backs. Gibbs has been banged up. Montgomery's out. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Now they do have a very efficient passing attack. Uh, so that'll be a very good game. Lions at Ravens. Dolphins at Eagles. That, those are two uh, very, very good games. The Monday night over San Francisco at Minnesota. Not terrible, but not very, you know, you know depending. We've got to see who's in that game. We know Jefferson's out, but we don't know about McCaffrey. We don't know about Samuels. Uh, we don't know about uh, even Trent Williams. We're not sure about uh, going this early part of the week. Um, those are the uh, featured games. Locally, Jets are off. They get the Giants next week. Giants get the, uh, get the Commanders this week in a game they need desperately to win. Desperately. Because, you know, they can't continue to let these losses just pile up and pile up and pile up as they are. And they are piling up. What do you take out of the Monday night win for all you Cowboy fans right now? Okay. Uh, Where does that leave them? You know, did they salvage enough coming off the brutal beating they took at the hands of the uh, 49ers. They have a bye this week. So they go into that bye uh, at 4-2. and They come out and they host the Rams. Uh, The week after, then they have a a very big matchup, the first of two, uh, with the Eagles. So uh, that's right ahead for them off the bye. So the bye, they will be looking at everything as teams do during the bye, self-examining every part of the team, really taking apart why they're so bad in the red zone. Last year, they were 71% scoring touchdowns in the red zone. This year, they're 36% scoring touchdowns in the red zone. It has hampered them. And let's be honest, the big play in the game for them was a broken play. It was a play that... First, Pollard was in for protection. He leaked out, caught a pass, broke a tackle, and then went 60 yards down the field for their biggest play of the year. That, that, said, that really got them ignited on offense after they had stalled time again by penalty. Uh, they couldn't run the ball. Neither team could run the ball last night. Um, the Cowboys have a very solid defense. There's no question about that. But they are missing, missing a bunch of things on offense. Maybe they located one last night in that uh, Brandon Cooks finally stood up as the second receiver. He tried to force-feed Gallup. They were off target and off sync, out of sync all night. Then he went to Cooks for some big plays. He went to Cooks for a touchdown. Uh, Cooks is a very speedy professional receiver. He should be utilized more opposite Lamb. He's the guy that should step up and be the number two receiver. And they have to do a better job in their running game, which has been uh, not very good. Not Pollard's fault. They're not opening any holes. Really not. You know, Pollard is a superb player. If you give him space, he will make a play. If you give him a seam, if you give him an opening, he will make a play. He's an explosive player, as you saw on that 60-yard play. He had 80 yards in receiving last night, but had about 30 yards rushing uh, for the game. But Pollard uh, can be, you know, is a very good player. I, he's, he is, I, I have a lot of respect for Pollard. It's not his fault, but they are not 
opening any holes in their run blocking and their red zone stuff is really bad. Uh, but the Eagles aren't without their issues too, and they're very banged up. And I look for the Eagles, who were usually very deft traders. I look for them to uh, make a move in that secondary to solidify it. Before I wouldn't be surprised if they made a couple of trades before the trading deadline because they have a chance to go back to the Super Bowl and they need to solidify a couple of things on this team, especially the secondary with all the injuries they've had. Jets can revel and pat themselves on the back, which they are very want to do, and their coaches very want to do. I still can't believe his uh, comment about embarrassing the elite quarterbacks. That's going to come back to haunt them. It's going to come back to haunt them. In Buffalo, it's going to come back to haunt them down the road. It's just, it's just a comment you don't make. You know, like I said, could you imagine this guy when he wins? This guy has a terrible record for his career as a head coach. And all he's done is got back to 500 this year, and he talks and talks and talks. But you know what? Some coaches are like that. You know, they back it up, they back it up, but they don't. And sometimes they talk themselves silly, right? You know, right out of a job, um, and right into the next, you know, part of their football careers because um, it just puzzles you why you would go out of your way to. You don't need that. You don't need that. And the coaches that win big, they never do that. Never. They always build up the opposition. Always. And then kick the heck out of it. I mean, Bear Bryant lived that way. You would have thought his team had no chance every week, and then they go in there and win 50 nothing. That's the way to do it. You don't try to embarrass the opponents and belittle the opponents, especially when you've accomplished nothing. But, hey, to each their own. That's the way it is. A little baseball before I get to your emails. Texas is an absolute machine. I mean, an absolute machine. Whatever they need to do in the game, they do. They need a hit, they get it. They need a big out, they get it. Avaldi has to get out of a bases loaded jam with nobody out. What does he do? He gets all three outs, including a strikeout of Altuve with the bases loaded and one out. And Tucker is in a huge slump. And Altuve has gone into a huge funk. And they are going to have a hard time overcoming that. Now, what you do is pitch around Alvarez, who already has six postseason home runs. I mean, he's unbelievable. But, hey, right now in that lineup, you pitch around them. As they did last night late in the game, pitch around them. They have yet to lose in the postseason. They go to Texas now with a chance to put this away. They have Houston reeling down two games, and they are now halfway to the World Series in what has become a a dynamic postseason run in every way. You know, getting it from a lot of different places. And that's the sign, you know, that's the sign of a good team. That's what a good team does. A good team gets it in the postseason, from everywhere. They, get, they, they don't just rely on one guy. All right? it's, it's nice when you know, guys are knocking the ball out of the park like Harper uh, and a couple of the other Phillies are. All right? But it's better when your whole squad, you know, everybody has a role, everybody has a part, everybody fills in, uh, and Texas just continues to just really be stupendous in every way 
They really are. It's amazing what they've accomplished. It really is. I mean, they've been just unbelievable. And you have to be ultra impressed with everything they've done. Um, the Phillies continue their winning ways against Arizona. Gets a lead last night. Jump out with the quick home runs from Schwaber, from Harper. Uh, they continue to just play very solid baseball. And it's going to be, listen, you knew the Phillies were going to be tough in this series. They are going to be tough in this series. Um, Arizona's had a great run already just to make the playoffs and then have some success in the playoffs. Uh, Nobody's kissing them off after one game, but, hey, it's going to be a tall order. And the Phillies drew first blood last night with a 5-3 win. Uh, Game two tonight, uh, as... You know, uh, Aaron Nola will try and move the Phillies to a 2-0 start. He's been very good in the postseason, just as Wheeler, you know, watching what Wheeler did. And, you know, Wheeler's a guy you have heard me talk about. He was one of the best kids I ever met with the Mets. I mean, he was great. Uh, I've said this, if you've listened to me, you've heard this before, but when I used to take the kids when they were little, both my boys, and I'm talking about when they were, you know, seven and five, eight and six, you know, ages like that, you know, eight and seven, whatever it was. Um, I would take them and they, you know, he'd grab them and take them out on the field. You know, he'd have a catch with them. He'd take them in the outfield. I mean, he was great with them. He was, he, he, and he, I didn't ask him to do it. He just did it. I mean, he just, he asked if he could do it. He loved it. He just liked being around the kids. You know, it was that way, too. It was Jabba Chamberlain was that way. I mean, he loved the kids. Um, and he was such a high-class kid. Yeah, he was quiet. But what a mistake letting him go. And what a pitcher he's become for the Phillies. And what a good, you know, dynamic postseason pitcher he's become. You know, he's, he really has. He's just become an outstanding postseason pitcher and you know you got to give him credit he continues to just get the job done as does montgomery which is kind of you know hard for yankee fans to watch i know but hey it's the way it is uh montgomery's done a great job um wheeler continues to be an ace a dominant pitcher the kind of guy you hope that you can you know get your hands on you know you you hope you find a wheeler you really do who can come out and, you know, give you six great innings, which is all anybody wants anymore. You know, that's the bottom line. That's all they want. They want you to go six innings and turn it over to the bullpen and see where it goes there. And really, you know, usually in the first five innings of these games, is virtually unhittable. He usually strikes out half a dozen or more, and then, you know, sixth inning, turns it over, and away you go. I mean, he's, he's done just an incredible job in the postseason. And he and Nola have been a terrific one-two punch. And, you know, that's how you wind up getting guys like that give you what they've done. You know, this year in the postseason, he's 2-0 with 19 innings pitched and 26 strikeouts with a 0.63 whip. Uh, he's done a great job. He really has. And the Phillies continue to get power. 
They get, obviously, from Harper. They get it from uh, Castellano. They get it from uh, Schwaber. And, hey, home runs, power pitching. That's how you win games. That's how you win series. That's how you wind up in the World Series. And right now, Texas and Philly have a leg up. Texas is just a juggernaut. There's no way around it. And Houston, they look, I got to be honest, they look tired. Except for Mr. Alvarez, who's, you know, the best player in the playoffs. Um, They look tired. They look like been here, done that, and we're about wrung out. But uh, I'm very surprised. I have to admit, very surprised by Tucker. You know, I like Tucker, and I'm very surprised he has gone into this kind of nosedive, and he has gone into a colossal nosedive in this postseason. You know, and now Altuve has joined him. They even moved him into the three-hole last night in front of uh, Alvarez. You know, this postseason, he has just been absolutely, absolutely awful. He's hitting 091 with one RBI. I mean, this is a kid who had been very good in the postseason before that. He had eight home runs in the postseason. Um, and obviously in the regular season this year, he, you know, hit 29 homers and knocked in 112 runs. He's a, he's a legitimate slugger, and he has just been absolutely awful. And same thing, Altuve has hit the skids too, especially in this series. So they're getting Altuve out, they're getting Tucker out. They can't get Alvarez out, but nobody else can either. Um, you know, so, you know, they'll take the pitching around them and ask and see if somebody else can beat them. You know, Abreu is dangerous, there's no question. But other than that, they haven't gotten a whole lot, and we'll see where it takes them. I mean, listen, they got some guys in that lineup. You know, uh, Brantley has hit. Uh, Bregman can hit, you know, that. Uh, Abreu can hit. But they need Altuve. He's kind of the spark plug. And I think they need Tucker, too. I really do. For things to go right. And they got to pitch a lot better. So it's not just one category for Houston right now. As they find themselves very much, very much in trouble in this series. All right, emails when we come back. You're listening to the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Mike Francesa Podcast at gmail.com. That's how you do it. Send your emails. I know we're backed up on a lot of emails, so we'll get through some here. Uh, ben. Are you worried about the Bills? I like Josh Allen, but it seems like they struggle to get the job done sometimes. Yeah, they're they're very erratic. When they win, when they're off and running, when they get off flying in the game, it usually means about a 15 to 20-point win. And when they struggle, they struggle. And it's very true of Allen. Uh, He has had those very wild inconsistencies in his game in the last two years. A lot of people thought he missed Dable. Maybe he did. Uh, maybe he's just getting past that. I think the Bills are very dangerous. Uh, but I would say right now, at this juncture, as the smoke clears, and I picked a Cincinnati-Philadelphia Super Bowl, Cincinnati is starting to come out of it. Their defense stepped up. 
Their offensive line didn't look good the last game. Their defense stepped up. You know Burrow and Chase, they're back to 500. The Bills are 4-2. But to me, the most complete team is, is still Kansas City. And you have Mahomes, and you have Andy, and you have Kelsey. And they still need to identify who's going to be that wide receiver they can count on to run the right route, to make the big catch. I think it's going to be Rice. More than say Tony, more than say Moore, um, I think it's going to be Rice. But their defense has a chance to be the best it's been since this whole run has started. Dan, refs obviously play a huge role in sports. Well, obviously. With football, it seems like they have too much control. Uh, fans now wait to see if there's a flag before celebrating a big play. There's a controversial play in every game. Hey, first, the obvious. The NFL is a very hard sport to officiate. Very hard. With that said, yeah, there's been a lot of lousy officiating. The problem is you have a couple of plays here and now, like roughing the passer, which comes down sometimes to just awful calls. They lean towards protecting the quarterback. And why? Well, you've seen eight quarterbacks get hurt in the last two weeks. This league stinks when they don't have starting quarterbacks. That's why. If you have a product late in the season and you got 11 starting quarterbacks out, this league is awful with backup quarterbacks. The, the product stinks. You wind up turning the games off when you have backup quarterbacks in the game most of the time. Um, there are exceptions. Uh, there's some pros at backup. Like Tyrod Taylor, he's almost a starter. He's not really a backup. Um, but, yes, the officiating is frustrating. But I think it is. You know, I think it is, and it's just a very difficult game to officiate. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of players on the field. And um, you just got to live with it. It's a necessary evil. Tariq, would it be wrong to bench Wilson for Rodgers if he leads the Jets to the playoffs? Okay, so here's Tariq's scenario. The Jets make the playoffs with Wilson at quarterback, and then Rodgers is healthy. Hey, Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks, one of the greatest quarterbacks who has ever stepped on a football field. That is not a knock on any other quarterback. It's an easy switch. You're talking about an immortal player. So it's not hard at all, Tariq. It would be very easy at any point. It would be very easy. Scott. When he was drafted, many of us thought Evan Neal was a safe pick. Why do you think he struggled so much? First of all, you never know. The move from college, the move from high school to college is a dramatic one. Arapah Sagan used to always tell me, the great Notre Dame head coach, he said, I would bring in 30 recruits a year. And he said, it never failed. The guys who were at the bottom of the list, the last couple of scholarships we gave, some of them fringe guys, some of them would become my All-Americans. 
And some of my guys out of high school, I would have thought would have been all Americas, never made it. He said, usually like a third would be normal, a third would disappoint, and a third would overachieve. And he said, sometimes the guy I gave the last scholarship to became my best player for the next four years. You don't know who is going to have the makeup, the maturity, the development to raise their game. Same thing with the pros. You do it all over again. And it's the same thing. There are as many good players and great players drafted in the third round as there are drafted in the first round. Uh, that's a fact. Um, there are surprising legendary players who were free agents, John Unitas. Uh, late round picks, Tom Brady, and on and on and on. So it's not an exact science. You take, the, you take a player, but he still has to develop mentally, physically, he has to lift his game. He has to be better. And a lot of people fail. And it's just the way it is. Now, are there no-brainers? Of course there's no-brainers. Are there huge surprises like Tom Brady? Yes. I think Neil's future, you ask me, do you think he has a chance to develop? I think he'll be a god. I think he will probably make it as a god. He's not going to make it as a tackle. Um, Richard, is the Pats dynasty, Richard, is the Pats dynasty the greatest of any team in any sport? Not even close. It's a great run. But they lost some heartbreaking games, and they lost two heartbreaking championship games to the Super Bowls to the Giants. Um they got a couple of breaks or they could have lost a couple more games. They should have lost Atlanta. They should have lost Seattle. Uh, it's a great run, but no, it's not the greatest. It's not the greatest football run of all time. And it's not nearly close to what has happened in other sports. Uh, Cody. Bryce Harper is doing wonderful things for the Phillies. Do you think it was a mistake that the Yankees didn't get him? Yes. Now, was I overwhelmingly for Harper? I was not. Would I have taken him? Yes. I was worried about him being very injury prone. I also wondered about him in New York a little bit, I have to admit. It was a little odd in his personality. He had been coddled from a very young age. Um, I worried about him in New York a little bit, and I worried about him being very injury prone. But you know I am an advocate an overwhelming advocate for left-handed Yankee power. Always have been, always will be. I wanted Olsen in the worst way. I wanted Schwaber in the worst way. And yes, I would have easily taken Harper because he's left-handed and because he's very talented. Um, James, have NFL coaches forgotten fundamentals? Uh... In the Niner game, Shanahan got the ball back with 324 left and passed three times. Um, listen, that's not a good example. Remember, he had key people out of the game, including McCaffrey. 
they were not running the ball at all on on the very good Cleveland defense. So I think that's a very bad example. Listen, is clock management, is good game management, good clock management, and good play calling rare? Yes, yes, and yes. Very rare. You see these coaches make mistakes in clock management all the time, in game management all the time. We saw it with the Jets in the first half two weeks ago. We saw it with the Giants in the first half this past week. Um, I don't care if that's miscommunication. I don't care what you want to call it. It's terrible. Absolutely cannot happen. Cannot happen. And if you're Salah, you cannot be asking your field goal kicker in the game, in a big spot, thumbs up, thumbs down from the distance in question. I think it was 57 yards here. Thumbs up, thumbs down. What you should have done, and it has always been the way it's done, is before the game, the kicker goes out there and then gives you a distance that he can make it, the max distance from both sides. I can make it from here this way. I can make it from here this way. Give me the numbers. Give me the numbers. That's what head coaches do. Instead of sitting around before the game thinking of things to say. That's what they do. Not go to them during the game and go thumbs up, thumbs down. You know the number before the game starts. Now, should things change like a sliding wind, a whipping wind that wasn't there before, you might want to consult them and say, hey, how much does this take off your thing? That's not the case here. It was thumbs up, thumbs down. They can be far more buttoned down than they are, a lot of them. You rarely see a Belichick or an Andy Reid make a mistake in those spots. Or some other guys. I don't want to just just say those two, but it's rare. Why should the Giants feel good about Dable after seeing what happened to Judge and McAdoo in year two? It feels like a total repeat. Yeah, but they didn't have his year one. And Dable carries himself like a head coach. Do I like what I've seen this year? No. I think he's done some really risky things, and I think he's done some really dumb things. Like trying to force-feed guys into the tackle position who can't play it. You know what? That doesn't work. I understand that he has a need there, and guys are going down, and all that's happening, but... There have been things this year that you don't like from Dable because, you know what, he's been under constant, constant crisis in every way since the season started. Bad play, injuries, everything has snowballed. And it's hard when that happens. Is he worth keeping? Absolutely. Would I give him a year three? It's not even a question mark. He'll be back as the head coach. That's not even a question mark. And he should be. And I think they will win some games this year they shouldn't win. Now, they're not going anywhere this year. But I think they will win some games this year they shouldn't win. Or pull off a go- uh, I think they're good for a game or two surprised this year. They almost had one the other night. How much influence, Len asked, do the Tishes have on the football operations? Well, the way it's always been divided is the Tishes are the voice of the business end and the Maras are the football 
operations. But there's no big decision that the tissues don't weigh in on. And the tissues can have as much voice as they want to have. Just like the marrows can have as much voice as they want to have. One side is not, does not shut the other out on their area of expertise. But on the day-to-day football stuff, it's very strong marrow. And on the business, it's very strong tish. That's the way it's always been handled. We'll see you later. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.